Welcome everyone to Bitcoin Expat Stories episode number two. Today with me I have a good friend of mine, a fellow Canadian, and we're live in Querétaro, Mexico, David Venturi. Welcome. Thank you, Gustavo. So before starting, I just want to tell everyone that's listening. In this podcast, we talk about Bitcoin developments, uh, how Bitcoin is changing the world, the Latin American market, Mexico, and we invite fellow expats or Bitcoiners to tell their stories. So, David, before we get into the details, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm David. I've uh, I grew up in Toronto, Canadian. In the context of Bitcoin, class of 2020, um, you know, could do the whole rabbit hole story, but let's just summarize by saying I left Canada. I'm exploring Mexico. Uh, Gustavo and I met a couple, about a year ago. Um, and yeah, just about me professionally, I, I'm a, a curriculum developer and course creator in the data science space. That's my, my trade. done it since 2015. Before that, I was a, a chemical engineer. But yeah, I'm all about online education, specifically in the data space. More recently, I tried some Bitcoin education stuff, but we're going back to the, the bread and butter with data. And, and yeah, that's short summary. Anything awesome. else? Anything else you wanted there? Relevant? We'll get there. Sure. Thank you, David. So yeah, well, just tell us. Um, I think we can just jump directly on the subject. And today, I want to talk about your like involvement in the Bitcoin community, uh, your uh, your experience in Toronto, leaving Canada, m like getting moving to to a new place. So let's begin with like how you got involved in like the Bitcoin community. What were the first steps? How was that like? Yeah, okay. So 2020, um, I was holding a bunch of US dollars and they went up overnight randomly with that liquidity crash in, in March 2020. And I was very confused. So I tried to figure out what was, what was happening. Um, and long story short, yeah, got into the rabbit hole through Preston, Preston Pish um, on his uh, pre-Bitcoin podcast talking about general market stuff. and general finance stuff. And there was a, he threw in a little, a little bit about, about all this money printing and, and stuff like that. And that sent me down about a year research rabbit hole, trying to figure out all this stuff, like the classic reading. And, um, I dove in pretty quickly all in, well, I don't know if I should say that, but I dove in pretty quickly a couple months after getting convinced. So I'd say since mid summer, 2020, I've been, uh, you know, practicing Bitcoiner, we'll call it. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, you know, kind of not lurking, but I was living my, my, my regular, you know, pre, I would call this like my fiat life, like mm -hmm. my normal life pre Bitcoin revelation, like takes like a, my experience. And I've heard of this a lot of people, it kind of takes, there's like a, a set in period where you, you don't, fully realize all the changes that are you're going to have to make in your life. And it took me about eight months for it, all of this stuff to click in and be like, Whoa, I need to live a bit differently. So January, 2021, um, I was trying to, I was, uh, I put out an article, so I'm a curriculum developer, right? So it's, I really like curating and or, you know, ordering what I think are, is a good learning path to learn a certain subject. In the past, it's been for the data scientist role. Um, and then in 2020, I was like, I think I'll try the Bitcoin thing. So I put an article out and 
it was kind of like my, what I thought was the best way through the rabbit hole at that time, given my curriculum development experience and stuff. And it, it got, you know, it got picked up by a few of the accounts and it, it was my pin, pin tweet for a while. But that was like my first entrance was I got, you know, a, a tweet about, or a, an article about how to, how to, you know, buy your first Bitcoin and all this, this stuff. That was my first actual entry in the, in the community. And then, um, my friend who I met on Twitter, Aubrey Jesso, he runs a bit, uh, a Bitcoin exchange or a, a new one in, in Canada called Beaver Bitcoin. I hope that's the name. <laughs> I haven't. Heard, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's the name. Aubrey, forgive me. But it's anyway. So it's like a. We were we got connect, connected through Twitter, and he was going to go to the conference. We were having some some phone calls, just like you know, kind of Canadian Bitcoin to Canadian Bitcoin, and kind of. I was still in Canada at that time. I think he had he had left. Uh, he's a bit ahead of me. Anyway, so he was like, you should go to the Bitcoin conference. I was like, yeah, whoa, I, I never thought about this, but I should go to that conference. And that kind of was the first entrance into the actual community. Went to Bitcoin 2021, um, met a bunch of people, so, so, so close, good friends to today. And then about a month later, I went to the, to, to cont- like continue that experience. I was looking for stuff in Toronto and there was this um, Bitcoin Toronto meetup run by, uh, they called like the Bampot Pirates. Uh, Hen and Spark, they have this tea house in Toronto and there was, you know, 10, 15, 20 of us at the beginning and there's some, some, been some cool things to come out of that. But yeah, that's that's the general ent- trajectory over the, I guess it would have been a year, year and a half or something. Not about a year. Uh, 2021 to, sorry, 2020 to 2021. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, uh, I've, uh, that's not ex- where we met, but I mean, ah, someone yeah. that I knew from there, you knew as well, and that's how we met, right? Yeah. What about that tea house? Is it still going or? It's still going. They they no longer run it. They they left Canada as well. Mm-hmm. In the exodus of uh, 2021 fall. Um. So it's not. It's, I don't think the meetup. The meetup's not there anymore. But it's it, the meetup itself is which they started is still running, but they're not. Okay. They're not running it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because it was, it used to be at the at the tea place. Yeah, it was very specifically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that brings us on to our next subject. So tell me, how is it? Uh, you you moved out of out of Canada. So, what made you do that? What were the motivations? When like what made you take the decision? What was the decision exactly? Moving somewhere else specifically, or just moving out? Tell us about that. Yeah, so I've I've worked remotely for since 2015. So I, I've I was working remotely from Toronto for three four years, um, heavily at least in in, in uh, whatever I was working <laughs> working from Toronto remotely. Uh, so for a lot on my mind for even before, pre pre Bitcoin pre you know worldview shift 2020, I was like I should probably I could do the you know winter life, sorry like a pre-snowbird you know go right. to the, live in the live in the sun in the winter i can do that i should try it out so for about and then I, i had some revelations around health um like around like light light diet and all this stuff and i was like you know i should probably with all the, the canadian winters being so rough right i can just probably set up my life somewhere else so for for a couple of years i was I've been thinking about going to a place like mexico or, or somewhere like that and then when i had like the worldview shift and canada was doing all the the crazy stuff that were, you know, didn't make me feel so good, <laughs> uh, in Toronto. Um, so yeah, let's do it. 
we're going to go. I, I was debating between a couple places, but I knew it was going to be sun and there's some other factors why I chose Mexico, but yeah, I left in the fall there, 2021. And yeah, that's pretty much it. How do you feel about your decision? Yeah, it was the right decision. It, it is, I think back then it was so clearly the right decision just from, yeah, a lot of reasons, but yeah, it's, it still feels like the right decision. Uh, I've learned so much about myself and different, you know, the world, different cultures and, you learn a lot about yourself when you move out of your home country. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's very interesting yeah. I, because I've I've gone through the same experience. So, yeah. So I know that too. Yeah, because like you're you're more alone, so like, and you like you, you don't have a choice but to face yourself. You know, in a way, um, and also like you you kind of see a contrast between you and the and the new society you were living in. Yeah. So you you understand yourself better in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Something to say there about, um, yeah, just living in, yeah, I, I was, I did some traveling for the past, you know, pre moving, but never actually immersing and like in uh -huh. yourself in a new culture. And it was, it was, it was, uh, shocking. Like I just assumed it sounds ridiculous, but you know, I assumed culture was constant, which is ridiculous. Right. But it, you just, you don't fully realize the difference. And you're right in your setting and stuff. And yeah. That's totally cool. Um, I guess it's it's many Canadians, right, that moved around that time, and many were already thinking about it, but that really made us all jump uh, jump to the decision. Yeah. yeah, the marvelous adventures of the displaced Canadian Bitcoiners. <laughs> all right, so um, what uh, what kind of changes did you did you make uh, personally when living here? I think you've talked to me in the past about joining a sovereignty group so can you share to us more about that more about personal changes that that you'd want to share sure um so yeah so the summer before leaving canada i had realized i had to make some personal changes just about things i was valuing and whatever things that come with that and how you set up your life your day-to-day to, -day to align with those things um so yeah so when i had when i left canada it was it was quite stressful like i was trying to figure out a bunch like where to go first of all how to get residency there i'm one to set up my life before um so honestly the first little bit was just kind of decompressing from the pressure of leaving um on a deadline i guess on a certain deadline and then um the pressure of getting set up so you know the first month and a bit i was just kind of enjoying the sun on the beach which was necessary to decompress um and then you know this depends on where you when you where you move to but i, I moved to it or I, i started in a, a smaller like a smaller beach town um so getting set up in a community there there's a lot of like there's a lot of nomad type people and it wasn't the easiest to to set up a community in a place like that if you know you went to Querétaro almost immediately right uh or no you're traveling around months, a bit a yeah months. but yeah I, i i see it it's very different in a mexican city than in like a nomad or yeah. very touristic place yeah so fortunately I, had, i met um a few friends that were from mexico and we had like a crew a crew of four of us four or five of us um had a little base there um yeah but beyond that i, I was i wanted to continue like the bitcoin 
the Bitcoin or, you know, the ideology of this early stage Bitcoin or whatever. So right. there was some, there was a specific group, um, or late 2020 when I was, I actually, I had lost a bunch of weight, uh, a bunch of muscle mass. Um, oh, yeah. In 2020. Okay. In the nonsense, right? So I was okay. like, maybe I didn't break mentally or probably broke a little bit mentally to be honest, but with all the, with all the pressure, but the, like some of the consequences were I lost my mind. So in in late 2020, I was like, okay, part of this Bitcoin sovereignty journey is it's gotta be fitness. Right. And it's gotta be a little bit, whether or not this comes naturally like you're to you or it's like for me when I was, I, I was always like an athlete. So I, I never really knew a world where I was, didn't have muscle mass. And all of a sudden I lost a bunch of mass. I was like, what, what is happening here? Um, anyway, so I joined this yeah sovereignty group. If you want, if you're interested, I'm not going to mention it specifically, but just shoot me a DM on Twitter. I can tell you where it is, but focused around, you know, fitness, um, was a big one. Um, trying to navigate all like the, the Twitter health at this, at this point, it seems kind of, what's that word where you're, um, it's not esoteric, but when you're kind of too focused on health, there's a word for it. You're, I, I, I want to know. Whatever, not important, but it was just like overloading. We talked about this before. O- overloading on like, you know, no seed oils. Like, right, right. What's right. this? You have to be pure, you know, everything. So trying to navigate through all the health things I was learning about. Um, anyway, so doing that, folks on fitness, yeah. But basically a bunch of Bitcoiners. It's a small group, but I'm growing. But it's a bunch of Bitcoiners folks on fitness, entrepreneurship, you know, relationships with, uh, you know, your girlfriend or your wife or yeah. Anyway, so join that. That's was a huge, huge been a huge pillar navigating like a, an early move in a community that was not super ideal for setting up a community. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that, that was part of it. Um, was that your question? Yeah, it was, it was kind of about that. I, I just wanted you to share about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's your... been a, it's been helpful. Yeah. Having a bunch of aligned people trying to discuss a bunch of different, you know, do you feel it was specifically helpful because you it was at the same time you made a move to a new country, so it was kind of a way for you to have like a a group of uh, uh, like a community in your new adventure. Was it more or was it rather like the, just the the Bitcoin journey or like the you were just at that moment in your life? Hmm. Yeah. So no. Yeah. It's. I think it would have joined it if I even if I was in. Canada. So it's, it's been extra helpful, but it wouldn't have changed the decision. Okay. Yeah. Cause like ideally you'd, you'd find these people around you, right? Yeah. No, ideally yeah. sure. But it's hard. <laughs> it's it's kind of like Twitter's like this gathering ground of ideologies, right? You can kind of, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean like usually when we make changes in our life, we make other changes, you know? So, so maybe I, I was wondering whether it had a connection I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, well, you've certainly regained the mass you <laughs> lost, by the way. When we saw you like a month ago, when you came to the second meetup, uh, Tristan much were like, well, he really <laughs> gained back his muscle. Huh? Yeah, it was crazy, man. I put on, I was 158 pounds, 157 in, in like the, when I like left late 2020 okay and then i'm like back up to my regular weight 178 180 something like that's like 20 pounds in a year or something nice that's awesome 
Cool. So uh, maybe now I got a few practical questions about your move to Mexico. So uh, maybe just for people listening that are curious, how how can I do this? What are the just some practical advice? So can you tell us a bit about your your practical experience selling here, which means getting a residency, buying a property, and stuff like that? Yeah. Um. Actually, I got well. Sure, I can. But the first thing you have to do is like decide you want before you do any of that. You got to decide where you want to go. Like, so how did you how did you decide here? I know it's not a podcast about you, but just quickly, like you. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess uh, if to me, I, I'm I was born in Peru, right? So to me, it was always Latin America was always like the closest culture, next to to Canadian culture, right? Montreal is uh, particularly. Um, so in Mexico always seemed very interesting. You know, I, I had traveled to Mexico. I really liked Mexican culture during COVID Mexico was open. Yeah. My friends came here because it was the, basically the only open country. They really liked it here. So they wanted to come back immediately. Uh, we, well, we also went to Costa Rica and we were considering both. And I think you were too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah which, which is very often the case amongst Bitcoiners and expats. Yeah. Costa Rica is a solid option too. And we just like Mexico better, uh, and we just the gut feeling. it made sense. Got the gut feeling closer, you know, all the classical reasons. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> kind of like that. And then yeah, yeah, I, I was debating those two. Looked at other places. Early on in my, I was like, whoa, I gotta try different places. Looking at like most all those flag theory options, like Georgia. We're gonna go to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, like nomad capitalist <laughs> yeah. Uh, videos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought that for a second too. Maybe when I was a bit younger, but very naive of me, at least of my knowing my own, like of knowing my own self. Just like, anyways. You know what? I think it's also the the um, the time uh, difference. Mm. Um, so like we're just on the same time zone here as uh, North America, well Canada and the U.S. Right over there, it's it's a whole different reality. So I think that helps to to settle here. Yeah, yeah. So. Gut feeling under pressure, picked Mexico. Um, part of it was part of my family. I wanted to set up a place that wasn't Canada for my family. My parents are older. Um, could Everyone in my family could benefit from the sun, a sunny place. So I was like, you know what? Let's make it easy on them too, Mexico. Um, anyway, so once I decided that, I was started in Mexico. Okay, you got to get your residency somehow. Or you can do your tourist thing. You can live you know, off the grid. It just throws some wrenches into the plans. You can do it, yeah. You can do it, but it's like, you know, you got you're taking some small risk. You can also just do it by the book, you know, by the book or whatever. And super easy, super right? easy, right? Yeah. So, you want the nitty gritty of going to the consulate and stuff, like the appointment? No. No. Well, I think people can find out by themselves. Yeah, Maybe yeah. just like give a an overview of things you sure. think were yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I, something that's relevant for Bitcoin is that I've tweeted about before was the so you when you qualify for residency in mexico you'd usually do it on um if you're unless you're retired you do it on um what's the word it's not financial solvency but it's like proof of income or something right yeah proof of proof income, of, exactly proof you're able to basically provide for yourself when you're in this new country without being a drain on their resources exactly um anyway so you're gonna do it through income statement sorry you're gonna do it through yeah proof of income so like you have to prove you have to make a certain amount of annually and it's coming in every month for the past 12 months regularly yeah 
or you can do it um, lump sum. You have to have a certain amount in your bank account for the past 12 months. And it has to be there the entire 12 months. So for I big, have for, for the lump sum is 12 months too. Can I just no, no, deposit no. some money in? No, 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 it's 12 months. Yeah, okay. so for Bitcoin, it's, it's relevant. You can't be completely in the coin because you're going to, they, they won't, well, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure they won't recognize that. If you bring, because you're sure to. Yeah, you got to like bring your bank statements. They're going to stamp each statement for the month. Um, I think the, the 12 month is relative. Where when it depends yeah. on the consulate, so I did sense. it in Houston, yeah. and it was six months. Okay, so it's relative. Changes it's, between the cons- it's con- around consulate. There. So check your. I guess you could always shop a con- shop by consulate. You could go to a different yeah, one. So you could do that. Anyway, it's just something to be aware of. Um, you know, maybe hold if you're a, maybe just hold an ETF. Or if you're in Canada, I guess there is an ETF in mm-hmm. the states, but hold something like a proxy or something like this. Or hold. Oh yeah, like an ETF would count. Yeah, I, investments can, count. Yeah, investment accounts count. Okay, nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So fortunately I had some, which was good. Yeah, um, that was good. The, yeah. And then after the residency, so you, you want to know about the residency and what else? Uh, well, buying a property. Uh, I yeah. was curious so getting about. set up, getting myself in Mexico. Yeah. So, okay. So I moved to a place where having a car would be a huge quality of life upgrade. Like I, had, I didn't have a car there for two, three, or, you know, I started in a place. Um, for a few months and I didn't have a car and it was huge, huge key. I'm going to use like the bingo word sovereignty, huge key to be able to move around where you want to, when you want to, the car is a nice tool to have. Right. For sure. Um, so I think my first order of business beyond the, it was house and car tied. I was like, do I get the house? Do I get the car houses? Whatever. Do I get a long-term rental? Do I get, do I buy a place? Whatever, all these things. Um, and I, those are the two major items. And I was like, okay, I'm really you know, hungry for these basic stability things. So did it at the same time, but looking at rentals and stuff. But, um, for, for me and, and my family, the best thing was to, to invest in a place. Um, so we've, we've got this, yeah. How did I, how did I find it? So it's a personal question, but you know, you, you figure out <laughs> how do you find a real estate place? That's it's not, I'm not going to talk about this, but I found a place where I, I knew like very clearly this is going to work for us. I knew before I've knew, known this for several years. Like you can okay. answering this question for yourself is different for each person, but whatever you find a place. Okay, cool. Um, for me, it was, I just found the nearest reputable real estate agency that dealt with expats. Um, there's a couple famous ones in Mexico and yeah. So th- honestly, I just, when I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust you on this. I've never done a real estate deal in my life. I know, you know, I've researched the market. I understand generally how, how the process works, but let's let them figure it out. You know, you pay, I think it's like four to 7%. It's quite a bit, um, but they just handle everything. They handle a lawyer, like dealing with the governments is kind of a, like a pain um, yeah. for getting these deals done in Mexico. So they really, you know, they offload take care it. Of that. Yeah, take care of everything. So um, that was that. And then closing was strange like it, it took like five months to close which if in canada you're freaking out about this because like well, yeah, it's a lot of time huh? well it just it's usually okay usually what i've heard in canada it's like you have these deadlines and they're strict it's like you got to hit these deadlines for each part of the process if you don't hit them it's like this deal is going you're not going to fall through whatever but in mexico is like ah, you know this thing extended with an un undeclared end deadline for months and months and months and it was mm. for me it was fine but 
that could be stressful for some people for sure. For sure. Yeah. Then, yeah, just kind of, this is generally the, the move with Mexico. It's like there's things are relaxed, right? Yeah. So processes are relaxed. Well, they're just bureaucracy is pretty bad. Processes sometimes are don't make much sense, you know. Yeah, and they're massageable with who you're dealing with and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Everything is very relative to whether you know people or not, you know. So yeah. Anyways, that that, that was solved. So a few months in, I had this place, you know, that I could call it for a base, which was nice. You could also get like you did. Is I probably would. Well, if I wasn't looking for this key, like family base or whatever, I would have done something like you to get a long term rental, which is pretty easy uh-huh. to find, right? Um, and then yeah, finding the car, the license plates, all this stuff was all annoying, but generally all these set, getting life set up thing, I would just recommend it's pretty affordable. In most cases, just hire someone that knows how to deal with these, the bureaucracy, especially if you're a new expat, don't, it'll save you time and headache. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions about the, that or that was great. Yeah. yeah okay. Thanks for that. Uh, it's going to be, I hope it's going to be useful for some people. I'm sure it is. Okay, so um, the next part, well, before we move on to like a different subject, uh, I just had like a question. We've talked about this before and I, I kind of like your answer, so I want <laughs> others to hear it too. Like what kind of surprises do you, did you get when you moved here? Uh, what would you tell people that like they should expect of like Mexican society uh, that maybe you didn't know in advance? Okay, so the first, I remember the very first day I moved, this is not a serious thing, but I remember the the, the dairy, like the yogurt was incredible. It's very ridiculous. The yogurt the is yogurt, incredible. It just tastes, coming from dairy Canada, like, <laughs> it was just so, it was so nice. Um, but yeah, like beyond the obvious, like you're eating whatever, incredibly tasty food every day, fresh. Um, that was surprising. To answer, like to answer your question literally like it was like it was whoa this is really good yeah it's it's like you f- you know it's good but it's like even better than yeah, you expected yeah like you hear mexico's <laughs> got the grace food and it's a combination of like the yeah. actual items and whatever but anyways um surprises yeah so this this took a, a, a while to realize this one it took you know months of living in various places um and this was kind of related to my thing earlier about leaving canada like you're so used to a culture the but yeah, just just being like when you move to Mexico specifically, it it come and this is a good thing. Well, I don't want to put value judgments, but this is a thing that is valued uh, that I, I would value at least. Um, that the culture is it's like you're, you're moving to this culture. <laughs> like in Canada, it's there's a bunch of cultures mixed, right? And it's a, a mix of different cultures. There's a Canadian culture in Toronto. Is there? Well, uh, <laughs> there is. Yeah, I'm from Quebec, so <laughs> we, we completely rejected Canadian culture. Okay, but there's a, there's ago. a way of being, right? Even if whether or not you're, yeah, no, for sure, there's yeah. a, there's a way of being. But is it defined? And is it a, is this Canadian culture? You're making a value judgment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a kid from Quebec. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so I come here. It's like, whoa, this culture is, is, is well, not where I was in the beach city at the beginning. I was in kind of an expat zone. But when you go to these when you go to Cretaro or you go to other cities. Yeah. Guadalajara, Mexico City. Puebla. Yeah, like all these places. Like everybody knows the same songs and they all drink the same thing. I actually didn't notice the songs. That that was interesting. That you, Yeah, that's actually quite interesting that everyone's. Yeah. But yeah, no, just um, even like time meal times, like you're eating at three and nine. Yeah, meal times. Um, 
but it's just like it's 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 obvious and i it surprised me i was like whoa this is this is uh different right yeah and you have to make a choice so if i were to give a tip to someone moving from a place like canada or some place where the the culture is or even if it's your own culture country where it has like a kind of defined culture um it's not that's not like a mix experiment that canada is um exactly you still have to like evaluate that you know have an idea of that you're going to be changing cultures and it's going to be you'll have to adjust and then if you don't want to adjust you you probably won't have a great time yeah unless you stay like in like mexico city maybe and like vallarta you know like very expat touristic places yes and mexico city uh, which is the, just a very international city. Yeah. But as soon as you get out of there, like I would say the biggest city, which is just the most Mexican is Guadalajara. You know, like Guadalajara is, uh-huh. is extremely Mexican. There's very little foreigners. There's more now, but, uh, and, and you got, you just get completely immersed in the culture Yeah. and it swallows you in a way, you know, and, yeah. and not, it's not for everyone. You, you, you know, you know, I'm, I'm living there right now, but the, the, um, it's also a good thing. Like there's so, so so many cool things that I've like, I don't even know. Like this is not specific to Mexico, but like I didn't know how much I would like, like reggaeton or like bad funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't expect but to you like, like this. It? Right. Yeah. Like now one of my, it's like, it's so fun to go out and just, uh, I think it's fun. It's yeah. It's like incredible music to dance to. Right. But a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. You used did you used to be a guy that like thought he would never like this like I just didn't expect it like I used to actually in twenty twenty in lockdown I listened to a lot of Jay Balvin which was interesting it just came up on okay. my Spotify and I liked it but um it was I didn't expect to like it to be a regular thing like this is like a, it's like a regular thing like in Mexico like if you go out at night ah, and you're going to a bar it's, it's a regular you're, thing you're gonna hear the entire his entire album played. I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to get a bit I, because I I went out too much last year so. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to to be a bit tired of it. We're doing, yeah, we were the opposite last year. So Gustavo yeah. last year had a very <laughs> party filled life. Last year I had kind of like an ascetic life, not a fully ascetic, but I was pretty strict with myself. With things. And this and this year I'm kind of like You're going there, yeah. we're, we're trading places here, Gustavo and I. That's good. Yeah, well, I think at the end Mexico is a is a is a, is a culture that many people like, many people are attracted to. So in a way, those that have moved here historically have been swallowed by the culture. Really? They're they're okay with it. They, they they use that word swallowed? I know I use that word mm. because I because I feel like it's 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 kind of the a metaphor to describe what it is, right? Because it's there's no chance. You have your culture stands no chance against yeah, yeah. Mexican culture here. It just gets completely swallowed, right? So and there's been immigrants in, in the history of Mexico, not as much as in like uh like Argentina or like uh, the U.S., but m- there, there's definitely been, you know, there's probably around like a million Arab originary uh, and like many Europeans, and you don't see people speaking Arab here, like or keeping even the the their Islam religion. They just converted to to Christianism, and yeah, it gets integrated a bit in the culture, like the pastor. You know, the the pastor. Uh, the I, did, food? I, I didn't it's, know that. It's actually. Arab. I didn't know that. That's it has some Arab influences. So it there's there you can see things like that, but it gets completely rebranded as Mexican, right? Because yeah, right, like nobody knows that it's right. It has Arab origins, but it does. But it doesn't. It nobody ever says that it does. You know, mm-hmm. it just becomes Mexican. So yeah, but uh, but I, I guess if there was there were to be a culture that would 
that I, like I would get immersed into, this one would be one of, yeah, of those. You know, pretty great culture. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So, uh, I maybe just before we jump onto an like more serious, not serious, but I mean like knowledge base, like what you work on and Bitcoin. Uh, <coughs> can you tell me a bit of uh, give a, a, an overview of the cities you've visited in Mexico, different places you've been to, uh, which ones you like the most, which ones you don't, something like that. Checked out. I think the next place I checked out was Puebla. I went there f over there for Christmas. Um, super conservative city, probably the most probably the most conservative state in Mexico. Right? Yeah, one of the most. Yeah, not but, the most. Guanajuato is pretty conservative. Aguascalientes too. Even Querétaro. Whenever I talk to Mexican, my Mexican friends, and, they, and I tell them I went to Puebla, it's like, or I had friends from Puebla, it's like, the first thing they say is, muy conservador. Like, they, even they ah. say it. Even people from Jalisco. Ah, but because, do you know the full name of Puebla? No. Puebla de los Angeles. The angel, the town of the angels. Yeah. There's the, the most, uh, the most amount of uh, churches in Puebla. Uh, oh, I knew that. But because historically, it's extremely conservative. Okay. But I think like like now. things things change, but yeah, yeah. it is very associated to conservatism, mostly from an historical point. Yeah. Of view. Okay, interesting. That was so that was interesting. It was actually with regards to the like the lockdowns and stuff, and like the reaction, like all the mask enforcement and all these things. Back in twenty twenty one, it was a bad place to be actually, despite it being so conservative, which was interesting. Um, Same here. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's that's this is where just just to give a yeah, yeah sorry I actually gotta start but go on yeah you finish yeah just to give a, a, a like more context on this this is where like politics and like culture is you cannot bring your your understanding of politics right. and culture from yeah. the U.S. or Canada and try to apply it here it's completely the other way around so like conservatism here doesn't necessarily mean uh, like freedom or like individual liberty usually just means religion and it's not necessarily the same and this is actually the case in most of the world like mm. like european conservatives are not that freedom oriented too so it's it's everything is very relative right yeah and there's everything right there's 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 both uh conservatives that are freedom oriented and those <laughs> that are not here so but anyways just to give a, a bit of the context yeah no it's that's interesting i remember um Making me laugh because I remember being in Costco in Puebla, very specifically over the winter. And I really knew it when I was leaving uh, Canada. I was listening to a lot of Francis Francis Pouliot stuff. Um, is it any Francis last name? Pouliot. 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 Um, anyway, so he was like, I remember listening to some podcasts about this bracelet, the exemption bracelet. I <laughs> you, yes, I remember the exemption that bracelet. You just walk in, you flash your exemption bracelet to say that you know I don't need to. Uh, that was a genius move. Great. Yeah. Anyways, I tried it at Costco in Puebla and it didn't, work, and it didn't work at all. <laughs> I just you tried Still it. getting uh, people would rat on you. Like you're, but you're Costco you're, is very, like, anywhere. Costco's been super strict. Still, it doesn't matter. Anywhere, though. You'd still get, you anywhere you'd still get ratted on by your fellow, like, person in, really? in Puebla, which I thought was interesting. After that, I don't remember. I don't think I did much in the. 2020 early new year but in the more more recently i've checked at mexico city um 
went for a Mana concert. Ah, that's a cool thing, actually, part of the culture. I've really, I, I learned almost all my Spanish, not all of my Spanish, but a lot of my Spanish through Mana songs. If you're not familiar, Mana is like probably the most famous 90s Mexican rock, Latin American rock Latin band. Latin American rock Just band. super famous. Not 90s, like the from ever. old, ever. All yeah. time. Great. Because Gustavo was listening to them today when he was working. I could hear that. Uh, you get to I hear, could hear uh, them through the AirPods. <laughs> Vivir sin aire. Yeah. yeah. I went to a concert at Forosol in uh, Mexico City. Massive venue where all these the big names played. That was really cool. Checked out, you know, the big spots. I was staying in Condesa, very popular place for expats um, to hang out and live. Um, what did I do after? I checked out uh, ah, Cretero, yeah, for your meetup in January for the first time. The first time? Yeah, the first time. Yeah. For me. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, that was cool. Cool spot. You picked a great, great spot. I, I highly considered, you know, setting up here um, or living here for extended period of time and then now i'm checking out guadalajara and it's, it's cool how do you like guadalajara guadalajara is very fun it's very fun huh? uh, it's probably the most fun city yeah it's what do i notice different about guadalajara it's i don't know actually i'm, I'm still kind of early days here so right yeah but it, it's it, I, I i'm enjoying it the most so far yeah yeah well you know, there's a saying, or not a saying, but people, well, yeah. Uh, people would say that uh, those that live in Guadalajara, like, are seeking culture. Interesting. Because Guadalajara is the, like, the, the capital of culture in Mexico. Like, Mexico City people are never going to admit that, but yeah. Guadalajara considers itself the capital of culture. You know, that's where uh, a lot of the food comes from, like birria or some ta sorts of tacos. Uh, that's where mariachi music comes from. Uh, I even think that's where Maná comes Mano, from. Mano, yeah, I was going to say, exactly. I, noticed, I noticed a lot of famous Mexicans seem to be born in Guadalajara and then yeah. they moved to Mexico City later. Exactly. Uh, Mano, uh, yeah. Also, like, the whole Lucha Libre culture, like the Mexican wrestling. Tequila is from yeah, yeah, Tequila yeah, yeah. Town, which is like one hour from Guadalajara. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of Mexican culture from Guadalajara, there's a lot of cultural things to do. So people that live there like really are interested in the culture and music, you know, and going out and having fun. Uh, people that live in Querétaro are more interested in like business, building a family, family. Yeah. safety, you know, uh, yeah. which is just, it just demonstrates that there's different cultures in yeah. different cities, right? In terms of, yeah, just in terms of like, Querétaro has a lot of these ingredients too, but just Guadalajara is like super elite weather year round, you know, the basics. It's, yeah. Also, I just like the how the city looks. Like it's not, like you're you're not gonna get from from Toronto. It's like ugly skyscrapers, right? Like so. Ah, uh, Guadalajara. No, no, no. Toronto has this. Yeah. No. Um, in Guadalajara, I haven't. There is like a downtown. There's like a proper like, right skyscraper area. But you can stay in other areas. That's like, very, like it's it's this massive city, right? But you can I could live here and it feels like it's almost like a, it's small. Yeah. No, yeah. I I had the exact same feeling when I was in Guadalajara. Like, you, you go to Chapultepec Street, which is a big street. Mm -hmm. And, like, the biggest building is the VVVA building, which is just, like, seven, five floors, mm -hmm. six floors. You know, pretty pretty small for, like, a, the, the one of the main neighborhoods in, like, a six million people city. Yeah. And it feels small. And, and that's definitely a, a nice thing about uh, Guadalajara. Mm -hmm. It's also, yeah, it's just, like, Cretor and Guadalajara are similar in this. It's, like, it's not the most fa famous one you've heard of. It's not Mexico City. And you've, you've got like, it's still kind of, you know, it's not too crazy yet. 
maybe it will be in the future. Right, in in terms of like tourism and tourism, expense, right? But also just yeah, it's like still kind of got its natural vibe, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Mexico City, as 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 soon as you get out of like Condesa Roma Polanco yeah, yeah, bubble, yeah, yeah, yeah. you you get into it's it's kind of the same, right? Just one more thing on the um, that's interesting. Last night, my, my check had a presentation at his their third Bitcoin Crypto Meetup, and um, yeah. And he was talking about, there's a slide about nomad lists in Mexico City. It was like number four or something. It's like n- or super high up there. I think it was, it was number eight on my, I think they changed the algorithm for, oh, yeah. I don't even know how it's worked. Anyways, but Mexico City was number eight for me. And then Guadalajara is like number 40. So it's like, if you've never heard of Guadalajara, maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't. But it's like, it's up there for, even though it's hard to get to, there's not direct flights from many places other than, I think it's from Spain. They have to making one for Germany in the future. Oh, yeah. There's a few American cities. There's a bunch of American cities, but Canada, no. No, no, no Canada. No, no direct flights. So it's like kind of hard to get to, but it's still up there in that nomad list algorithm. Even though I don't want to be a nomad, it still signals like nice places to live. Generally. For sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place. It's safety-wise, you got to watch out. And it depends where, right? Uh, you, you don't, it depends. You got to watch out in Guadalajara more than in Querétaro or or even Roma in Mexico City, you know, mm. not too bad either. Just extra precaution. And uh, did you notice this? What everybody says about Guadalajara? Did you notice <laughs> that like women are are be- are better looking? And I said n- no comment. It's, uh, no comment on that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, we can change subjects and. Uh, <laughs> Can change subjects. What, what do you think about that one, Gustav? Well, I, yeah, I think it's true. Uh, okay. When I went, I definitely noticed that. Uh, I think uh, prettier women in Mexico are often found in Guadalajara and uh, in the north, like Los Altos de Jalisco, and uh, in the north of Mexico, like Sinaloa or Sonora. Yeah, I noticed that. But you know, it's not. It's not like uh, honestly. I had some Mexican friends sell it to me. Like they, sold, they, was, they sold. They told you or, sell, or sold it to you. No, they were like sell like selling Guadalajara for you. Yeah, they were yeah. selling Guadalajara. They were telling me like it's basically just a, another race. They mm. took it too far. Like yeah, people will literally tell you that women or just people in Guadalajara are just ten times better looking, and like you're gonna fall in love as soon as you get there. It's not true. They are somewhat better looking. It's not 10 times more. But yeah, Mexicans will tell you this. This has happened to me many times. So yeah. This I, to me too as well. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I'd be able to pick out. Yeah, anyways, whatever. Go on. That's fine. All right. Um, well, let's let's change topics a bit. Um, let's talk about uh, your latest work on data science. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe I'll I'll have some questions while you're talking, but I just want to get you started on that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I've in 2021 I launched my own business. And part of this like shift towards, you know, sovereignty. Um, and it was a. So in the past, I've curated curriculum for companies um, teaching data science, so like Python, data visualization, like a bit of machine learning, all these things, and I was. I've been the teacher on courses like that, um, but I've also just been helping other professors from, you know, universities teach for these platforms. And, you know, I'd, or like a, like a professional data scientist at Microsoft, I'd like help them create a, a course or something. That was my job. Right. Um, and then 2020, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try this internet business thing. So my the model was 
it, the model was okay. So I curate a curriculum of what I think is the best. There are the best courses on the internet, and there are courses, articles, projects on the internet for learning the specific subject. Um, I could create my own course, but like my 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 motto, and this kind of launched the Bitcoiner ethos. It's like as <laughs> you yawn. Sorry, <laughs> it's fine. I'll try to I'll try to make it more interesting. Anyway, no, no I'm just kidding. It's not really. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's good, Gustavo. Uh, we had a, the meetup one a bit, late, a bit late last night. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. stayed up last night. Anyways, okay, so. Based around, it's like a, a curated curriculum and then add a little extra in a community, <laughs> in a community. Um, and then there's a bit of like an affiliate revenue model in there. Cause like, why would I create, if I think the best course on the internet exists and I, it's usually, it's based around my, my model for education is like, okay, if you're going to learn online, you're going to want to use, uh, you're going to learn through some sort of software, like it presents you a video, but ideally you're going to want, it's going to present you like you can automatically grade your stuff because you're not going to have an interaction with a person, which is where a lot of the, the in-person value comes from at university and stuff. So I, I personally think specifically for data science, there's this one company that does the grading like by far the best in the world. Mm-hmm. I can't recreate that experience unless I hire, you know, you know, 20 software engineers to create right. it. It's a full software yeah. company. Yeah. So I, I recommend these courses and then I'll, I'll be like, okay, they, they don't provide this like coaching side of a thing. So it's, I create a curriculum using like what I think are the best course on the internet from various companies, usually uh-huh. from this one company. And then anyway, so I'm doing that now relaunching. Uh, I did this in 2021 and then this, my life shift happened. I was like, Whoa, I need to figure out where I'm going to live. I kind of took a break from that. It was out there. It's earned me some, it's, you know, it's helped some students like my curriculum suggestions were out there and students have read those and, you know, clicked on my links and they've, you know, people usually question whether or not I'm, actually recommending the best courses based on the affiliate. But for me, it's like, it's just part of how I get paid. Right. So anyways, the, that's happening, relaunching again after gathering my life, setting up my, my, myself here, or at least setting with a decent chance of sustaining this, this life with a car and and house and place to live and stuff. And yeah, so that's, that's launching Monday or a couple of days from now. I don't know when this is going to go live, but it's going to be the same, the same idea. Yeah. Same idea. That's Basically, exciting, co- coaching data analysts. Yeah, that's exciting. So, really, f- coaching. So, you're so someone. So if I understand this correctly, someone wants to become a, a data scientist, and then he he finds your curriculum that you've created. He uh, follows it, and then if he needs coaching, he reaches out to you. Yeah. So specifically with it, so data science is this big field. There are usually three roles within it. There's data analyst. And there's like machine learning practitioner or something like this and right. stat- statisticians. So I'm doing the data analyst, which is usually it's like the earlier one in the stage. Um, it's my expertise. And yeah, so they'll, they can take the courses by themselves. It's super affordable. It's like, I think it'll it basically replaces like a boot camp experience, which would be two, $3,000. They can, I think, get a better learning experience with these courses I recommend for, I think it's like $130 or something. Really? The whole, the whole, the course. whole thing. And then if they want, wow. if they want more, it's, it's, you know, it's like 20 courses, right? It's 20 courses in a curriculum ordered mm. with articles that I've found and whatever. Um, so it's about 130. And then if they want higher touch, if they want like that in-person experience, then I help them. And okay. then, they, yeah, through a there's like a couple of tiers. There's like a community that's, you know, I think it's like 50, $50. And then if you want even like personal one-on-one coaching, which is historically like it's not, it's not accessible generally, like one-on-one coaching is expensive, especially in, right. in uh, like really, really high quality stuff. So anyways, different tiers. Yeah. 
Okay, interesting. Um, one question I had is, uh, so this is launching Monday, um, and uh, were like, what are you gonna launch Monday precisely? Just like a new website or a new article? Is it? So that's yeah, that's part of the part of this community. I've been the sovereignty community. We're all focused. There's a bunch of us focused on building online businesses. Um, a lot of them are focused around community plus some sort of education piece, but it seems to be a trend. Um, the community-based model is like a recurring community versus like a course seems to be right. more effective for learning. It makes sense to me with the, you know, how you, whatever. Okay. So the, the website's all, all done. I've, I've learned over the past year and a bit that it really doesn't matter. You can have this, like you need a very basic website. You don't need to get fancy one pager title of your thing, a video of you talking for a bit, how to buy. And then right. I used to be really fancy with these things, like figuring out logos and all this. Nonsense. Yeah, yeah. We've, I've been there too. Yeah, yeah. It's all a bunch of nonsense. Right. So I've learned that over the past year in this group and then specifically Monday. So I'm, I'm launching back in 2016, 2017, I wrote these articles recommending all these doing a, basically finding every single programming course on the internet and then doing like a, have you heard of the wire cutter? The wire cutter? The wire cutter is like a website no. and they recommend like the best fridge the best camera okay. and then they outline every single product option. reviews product reviews yeah product so online for online courses but you're detailing it with like a methodology for like the expert okay. of fridges i would be the expert of data courses right something like this okay. on monday i'm relaunching those articles that did really well in 2016 2017 on medium they got like you know like tens of millions of views just kind of people really? are yes yeah, super interested in it still even though the recommendations are outdated i'm still getting pings on my account so I'm just redoing those, updating those for 27, 2023, and it's not really, I'm launching, like, like the, the community and the product and the coaching, everything is going to launch, but on Monday, it's like the outreach is going to, the really big difference versus right. know, what it was. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's like a marketing piece, I guess. Exactly, because uh, a business is only what you sell, right? Like you need eyeballs, yeah. People to be aware of it. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. That's That's really interesting, man. So, so the the monetization model is it is an affiliate model plus a coaching model. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and like, how is uh? So and you, you so you would say that like someone that does this, like, uh, what can they expect from uh, from following this course? For example, someone that that wants to change career paths or wants to get himself into data science. Yeah. What should they expect from following this curriculum that you've created? Yeah, so it starts off, the video I'm going to record here after this, starts off by saying everyone's a data analyst. Like when you go to, when you figure out, you know, you're, you're in your a new city or something, traveling with your friends and family, and you're like, okay, Gustavo, pick a pizza restaurant or pick a restaurant for us. Okay, and you, what do you, what do you do? You go to your phone, you like, you type in, pizza and then you decide usually based right. on the ratings or just distance you'll use two factors something like that you're, di you're analyzing data but everyone's data analyst just the level of software you, you use differentiates your earning power and then you know there's more there's there's more expertise for sure, for re sure. regarding how to do that <laughs> process but especially in a company but um yeah so they they can expect to learn the software skills specifically python sql uh, basics of excel that'll make you you know dangerous with data <laughs> able to earn a salary with it, able to nice. be valuable with it for, you know, whether it's your own use or company's use. Um, and yeah, specifically the product I'm launching is called, or the, it's like a challenge. It's called 
right now. It's called Analyst 40. So it's 40 days mapped out with it's, um, 30 days of work, but 10 days of rest. And okay. by the end of 40 days, you'll have all the skills you'll need. You'll at least, you'll at least have started to learn. Sorry, you'll, you'll have encountered all the skills. You won't be a master in all of them, but you'll have everything you need to like get that data analyst salary. And then if you want to continue, if you like it beyond those 40 days, again, it's like 130 with the courses and then the community Access okay. is like 50 you'll you can choose to continue more later and you know that would be if you're gonna change careers or even within a company pivot um to more of like a data role uh, it'll take some time beyond that but after this curriculum of 40 days you can you can know for sure whether or not you like it and you can definitely you know put these skills into action um immediately after that i understand kind of like uh companies software companies will do like 30 days of code yeah totally yeah yeah exactly that that idea so that then it's not enough to get uh, the 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 full-time role probably but it's it's enough for you to 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 have at least um uh, be able to deliver something whether it's small or not you, you you can accomplish something and then you can decide whether you pursue it the rest of or not yeah you can also definitely just immediately you can on upwork on these freelancing websites you can do gigs you can get paid immediately you know right you won't be doing the most fancy things but you can do things like people will ask you to do things so right right you're yeah. you're useful yeah okay interesting uh so you said 50 for the community what does yeah. the community like uh, what does that include what does that mean so it's 40 days of learning with other people following the same curriculum so it's like a recreating okay. this experience with other people so it's like you know you'll have your friends you're learning with peer pressure you'll have accountability you'll have right if you ask questions to them i'll be in there as well you know interacting answering questions and yeah so it's i would say the, the high the bit why would you want to have for the community uh to make sure you do the to do the thing <laughs> like to, to get the 40 days done a lot of people are just super common people to start online courses and just right. never finish them so for sure yeah i've been there <laughs> yeah. i've also finished some but same i've also been on both sides yeah yeah i know i understand it, it helps to have uh peers moving in the same direction as you right yeah. get feedback as well exactly yeah. exactly cool um that's great so What what else did I have? Uh, how's the job? Do you know how's the job market doing in, in data science right now? Like, and like, what like? Let's say someone does the, the whole curriculum, wants to get a job. What should they expect from the job market? Is it has it tightened it? And this year, is it is it harder to get a job? Um, do you, do you work at like very big tech firms or like, is it more like a startup uh, orientation? Just describe to me a bit the the job market. Yeah, so it's 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 every like every company has data needs. Usually, the startup won't hire the, the startup with five people is not going to hire a data analyst. Like they're going to have a generalist doing all these things. So, but it's a big market. Like there's still, and this is it's such a it's a relatively new field. Like it started, I would say like the term data scientist actually was like coined in like twenty like early 2010s. Something like super. It's like recent, right? Very recent. Yeah. So. Um, there are still way more jobs than there are people to fill those jobs. Like the supply demand balance is off for data roles. Um, but that's like, you know, within, even though there's unfilled positions like with the economy going down, like there's it's still, I'm not saying it's like, it's contracted a little bit. It yeah. hasn't been immune to it, 
but there's this the supply demand balance is still off like there's still you can hold you can hold both things consistently logically right right yeah but it's it's definitely like a growing industry and you can just yeah you can see it in the uh well a bunch of different things but more recently in like the ai field it's like blowing up right <laughs> right 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 there's tons of tons of uh data data related roles in that but that does that benefit only the data scientists that are like AI ML sciences or does it benefit everyone well so it's gonna so this is super early days on this but there is um so like you know chat GPT right for sure there's there's like gonna be a chat so that's called uh, I think it's generative adversarial network I can't remember the exact term forgive me but it's uh this type of like again it's again yeah yeah what's it what's the de- it's a general uh, whatever there's something like, something like I just know again again <laughs> you don't know, what know means that. yeah but anyway so there that's been created where there's it's a company in Y Combinator they've created this chat GPT for data analysts so like you can even without uh-huh. knowing the code like you can you can still have the the like you're, you're always gonna need to analyze data so it's early days like the question was is this AI movement gonna benefit the data analyst yeah they just maybe they won't need to everyone It's not going to need to know like these ridiculous software, not ridiculous, but these more advanced software skills. Um, okay, so you're saying uh, we there's going to be abstraction about like very complicated uh, machine learning AI to like software that's going to make it available for the data scientists to use it to leverage it as well. Yeah, well, like. The analyst, it's early day. Like, so I'm trying to think. So when you go type in something to ChatGPT, you're going to look for whatever, something. You could just now, or in the, in the future, like these just the analysts would also, would, they could know Python. They could, you know, type in there yeah. to get, type in their code to like churn out like the highest performing whatever ad for their specific marketing campaign. Or they would have this thing hooked up to their, you know, ChatGPT for data. And it would be like, okay, what's the highest performing marketing campaign? And it would just, right. it would just, pump it out but this is like still undetermined whether or not how this is going to go but i feel like even with that tool you're still going to want to have the skills to actually like massage the data yourself so the skills you'd be learning in my program would be or the curriculum that i'm recommending would still be useful in that you'd just be like you'd just be more powerful it's just an extra tool yeah exactly Exactly. yeah I looked it up. It's a generative adversarial network. Yeah, it was close. Jennifer, generative adversarial? Adver- adversarial. Adversarial network. Yeah, yeah generative that. adversarial. Okay. Okay, my cool. Credi- my credibility. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. So uh, it's really interesting, man. Um, I'll definitely make sure that if I have any friends or family that wants to get into this field to, to refer them to you um, because it clearly shows that you've been doing this for a couple of years. You know what you're talking about. Uh, and I, I believe, too, that the data science is a growing field. And uh, definitely a lot of opportunities there. It's kind of like the opposite of uh, Bitcoin in a sense, right? It's like, what's the, <laughs> the, the Peter Thiel <laughs> quote? Why would you say that? I remember, well, I remember the reading The Sovereign Individual in 2020. And Peter Thiel's new uh, he did, he did a new forward. Did you read that? The new forward to the book? Uh, no, I, I didn't. He wrote a new forward to the book 2020. And at the, at the end of it was, um, it was like, hey, if if... if if uh, he used the word crypto, but if crypto is, I think he used the word libertarian and AI is, I think he used the word communist or something like this. Ah, uh, yeah, the the classic AI is communist. Yeah. Something like this. And then it's like, you got in 2020, you get to pick which one you, whatever. So I have a different worldview. I think they're kind of complementary. Like without Bitcoin, 
uh, AI would be tyrannical. And then without AI, like pure BTC, without like this, he's like it's so, so inefficient, right? Just it's you're kind of purposely. Maybe it's a two galaxy brain talk for right now, but anyways, I think. No, but I, I just I want to make sure I get it. So I I understand without Bitcoin AI is dystopian uh, and totalitarian because the the value system of this Bitcoin right world is is you know it's aligned it balances out right and way. then the opposite would be you know it's kind of like a, th- a hypothesis or a theory I've been just batting this idea around in my head for a while but so it, what what is BTC BTC is this like move towards I don't know values like it's order right towards order but it's 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 an order that is you don't have like the efficiency like it's purposely like Bitcoin's purposely inefficient yeah. right purposely yeah it's decentralized purposely inefficient so without AI maybe it's just the world's you know what I'm talking it's kind of kind of a bit of a galaxy brain take but it'd be like well I'm I I, I can let me let me try to understand you yeah, maybe okay. you, you fill in you fill in my thought here okay so there's a theory that like uh, without like that, that like big tech is kind of gonna slow down, you know, and Bitcoin is gonna bring to us to like a, a new time of like like hard money standard with less like accelerating software development, you know, mm. because software ex- like like the last decade has been like fiat field VC money field that has like ex- super accelerated software. To ways that are not necessarily culturally needed. Like what? Well, I mean, like, someone could say that, like, social media has been kind of negative on the culture, you know, and this has been fueled by fiat money in some ways, right? So, basically, what I would say is maybe you were saying that AI adds to, keeps, like, the software acceleration amidst a hard money standard. So you don't need that like f- easy money, fiat money to be part of the tech ecosystem for it to still continue to accelerate at the same pace. <clears throat> that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't fully formed this thought, but that's possible. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. All right. Uh, How do we, what, was, cool. what was the point of that topic again we're talking about? I don't know. Something uh, before. I just, I just, no, I just said that I was very bullish on uh, data science. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. And me you said it's kind of the opposite of Bitcoin. Right. So yeah. Anyways, they're both they're both obviously very both very important tools going forward. BTC or you know for sure. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, so maybe uh, before we end, I have a couple extra questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, maybe more personal. So, do you have any travel plans uh, for later this year or next year? Any places you want to check out? Well, this is a podcast about expat story so i want to hear do you have any any plans any any wishes or simply places that you have curiosity towards mm, well more i just i'm, I'm going to Colombia with um for a bachelor party nice uh, in april which is gonna be fun one where are my, you going my college roommates are going to cartagena 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 oh wow, that's cool man. yeah be careful I've heard this, but um, <laughs> I think we'll be good. Yeah. I got to show off my Spanish skills to the boy, uh, to my, uh, my the boys, my high school, and my university buddies. Nice, nice. My, my college roommate's getting married. Um, and yeah, beyond that, I, I'm not one to. I'm not like a big. I've never had the travel bug. 
despite being the expat or leaving, <laughs> right? I've, I've kind of like, I want to set up a place, right? So my travel plans for in regards to that are, are undetermined. I okay. know for the next few months, I'm going to be in uh, Guadalajara, um, beyond this, you know, moving around for, for, you know, weddings and stuff. But um, right. yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in uh, experiencing more of the, Big city Mexican culture, so that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, have you ever been to Monterrey? No, I have a friend there from there though. I haven't been either, but I've heard good things. They have that. I know in April they have that big uh, festival. Bal, yeah, Bal Norte, I think. Anyways, it's big. Uh, the like Norteña music. Norteña no, no, music? it's like. I guess it'd be like Fiat music, but it's like. It's not. You know, I think Blink One Eighty is performing like, at this festival. Anyways, okay. If you want to go, you can go. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, okay. Yeah, I uh, I have uh, I have some thoughts on this. Have you ever considered Brazil? Briefly, it seems it's, it's uh, no. Why? Tell me why. Well, I don't know. I've lately I've been just very interested in Brazil. You know, Brazil has first of all like uh, it's a super huge country. It's bigger than Mexico. It has it's a bigger population. It has a bigger economy. Uh, it has many cultures within Brazil. Do you know that there are towns that everybody's German in Brazil, and there are like two hundred fifty thousand? It's like <laughs> is that where Giselle Bunchen's from? He's part Brazilian German, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I, uh, so. I, I don't know, but yeah, like there's Blumenau. It's like a town in southern Brazil, and it's like the second biggest Oktoberfest festival in in the world uh, after uh, Munich, I guess, or Berlin. I think, and then Kitchener, Ontario, I think is, uh, oh, yeah? a big one. <laughs> I think they claim that title wow. or they're up there at least. But anyways, <laughs> but no, but, it's, but, it, but just to make a point that Brazil is very diverse, has a ton of different climates, cultures, regions, you know, and, and like, I've heard great things about the South that is more European, very German, Italian blood, a very conservative, kind of like the Texas of, of, hmm. of Brazil. I've heard great thing about the beaches. Um, you know, Rio is a monster as a city, Sao Paulo as well. Mm-hmm. There's just so many places. Uh, and I, I'm just very curious to, yeah. to see what it's like. That's interesting. I didn't know, well, I knew a bunch of those things, but I didn't, uh, it just seems kind of hard for me right now to do that. But the, just far from my family and stuff. But um, yeah, for sure. The, you put, put put on your adversarial Bitcoiner hat. Like, is that a place a good place to be insulated from some of this nonsense? Or what do you mean some of this? Nonsense? Some of this nonsense. How do I define that? Um, I don't know. So you moved to Mexico. You left Canada for a reason, right? So yeah, you know, along those lines. Yeah, I think Brazil is um, first of all probably is just a big enough country to have regions that are very freedom oriented. I think Brazil is uh, definitely gonna be top of the of the most powerful countries in the world really? in the future. Yeah, it's it's this is like widely uh, viewed by like m- any financial analyst. You know, it's just a natural trend that Brazil it's already one of the biggest economies in the world. It's it's probably gonna become the fourth, fifth, sixth biggest. You know, mm. Mexico is gonna get up there too. Just natural that Germany, like at some point, like Brazil is going to be a, have a bigger economy than Germany and or even Japan because demographically, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I think I have it's I f- like right now Brazil is is very complicated because like they they're at their the they have a social conflict 
that is very strong. Uh, like with uh, Bolsonaro just went out and Lula's in power now after coming out of jail. You know, it's very, very sketchy stuff, very political, but the U.S. is going through a similar thing, right? So, so I, I don't think it's the fall of Brazil. I just think it's a rough time. And with time, I, I see them having a lot of potential. Uh, so I want to check it out. I've just hear a lot of people tell me like, "Hey, you should check out Brazil." Interesting. You've, um, you, have you been? Or no? I've never been. That's why I want to check it out. Yeah, Colombia is. I feel like Colombia is a bit played out. You know, I've never been. So I don't know. And I, I've never been either. But I mean, just to say that it's nowadays. I hear like Medellin is full of expats Tourism. and like yeah. now the 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 like the economy has fully turned like. Like every everyone knows that lives there that it's full of expats, so people are starting to scam, mm. rob more, you know. Mm. So so that's I don't want that, you know. Um, but Brazil is definitely very interesting. Okay, I like to check out Paraguay too. Okay, have you ever thought about Paraguay? No, Paraguay is good because it has a, a, a easy residency that you don't have to live fiscal residency. Mm. You get fiscal residency. You don't even have to live there. Think you only have to drop like 5k in a bank account hmm. and you can only and you pay like 10% tax okay. so probably later this year I might check that out too nice yeah alright so just before we finish one final question uh, any Bitcoin development that's exciting you lately anything you've been following that you want to talk about or just uh, ask a question whatever you know hmm um I, I, I'm still in, I'm still following, you know, it's still, it's still the biggest part. It's, I'm, you know, BCC and cash or whatever. So in and out of there, but right. it's, I would say I've f started to focus more on some other things that are aligned with the Bitcoin worldview. Just like putting my time into building my own business and for sure, you know, fitness and stuff. So specifically within Bitcoin, I, I wouldn't give, give you, be able to get an answer here, but, um, within the data analysis, Bitcoin space, I always follow, um, Charles Edwards, Capriol. Have you, you ever followed his analysis stuff? Ooh, sorry. What's his Twitter name? handles a Capriol IO. It's, just, it's like a fund. But anyways, okay, he's like Capriol a, IO? Yeah. He's just like a, it's like on-chain mixed with a bunch of different stuff. And he's just like ki killing it, in my opinion, with all the, with his newsletters. So awesome. I, I check out his newsletters. I'll check that out. Yeah. I just, um, I think in February, February, he was, uh, but it's this one that was pretty on the ball and very fascinating. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it's that just, Keeping up to date with the, you know, blending my data plus Bitcoin thing. Sure. I find that stuff interesting. Um, do you think there's potential for growth in this uh, specific area? Huh. Um, there must be, right? So, like, I know, so your so check is, he asked me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, he he's works for a bit refill, right? He's a marketing, yeah. social media manager marketing. He's like, how do I make my whatever better using data like everyone wants to you know it's like a skill so within bitcoin companies i actually don't know the landscape do they have i know i know like the big exchanges they do a proper data analyst so mm -hmm. but within the smaller ones um yeah there, there must be um i know i would I, I still i still you know lurk twitter every once in a while I know dylan mcclair i think he's a great data analyst very good um, but he doesn't he doesn't code python right so he uh, i think i saw he was posting about Oh, yeah, it doesn't go. No, I think he just uses Glassdoor and all these. Um, right. Not Glassdoor, Glassnode. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, like, you know, I think he was posting about learning Python this year. So there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's gotta be. I, I really like this account called the rational root. Mm. You know, he's a, it's a very good account. Okay. I haven't, I haven't checked. Uh, yeah. I think we have seen a few things, but I don't know if I follow. Follows a, posts a lot of uh, on-chain analysis. Yeah. Too. I, I think it, there must be, you know, a future of growth here for like, uh, exchanges probably trading firms to you know to just analyze market data blockchain data you know and probably not just for bitcoin but for other cryptocurrencies as well since the, they have a lot of data too you know mm-hmm. yeah the, uh, there's it, it makes sense that there would be a just further growth for this yeah it's like any other industry right it's, it's a skill that's just going to be everywhere 100 percent. yeah all right. Well, thank you, David, for coming to the podcast. I hope this is not going to be the last time. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I hope you have a great success with the business you're launching. So can you tell the listeners where they can follow you, follow your work, anywhere you want to send them to? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it that much anymore. But it's just my name. You'll link it in the shows. But um, for the, the, the data business, that's where I'm going to be focusing most of my effort is building that and it's um davidanalyst.com is the my personal one and then the specific program is analyst40.com um yeah you can find everything through there but i'll be on medium definitely possibly exploring tiktok we'll see how that goes uh, <laughs> yeah nice yeah there's a bunch of there's a bunch of i think as an education platform it's quite interesting tiktok um anyways um i think those are the spots yeah i'll be and then Awesome. There's that uh, the community that I'm in. Better uh, just DM me for that one. Perfect. Well, thank you, David. Um, thank you, everyone. Tune in for for next week's podcast. Uh, I'll be inviting uh, my good friend uh, Tristan Borges. He's going to be talking to us about uh, cold card technology, other coin card technologies, hardware wallets, and also about his experience moving to Mexico. All right. Thank you. Thanks, brother.